I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Ann Curry. Ann was awarded as a top 1% of real estate brokers in Pierce County, Washington. Uh, she's an expert in real estate investing, selling, developing, and remodeling with over 25 years of experience. Um, and your your bio is, is really impressive, um, but I, as I mentioned before we started recording, I really like to let people tell their story kind of in their own words. So first, let me just say thank you for coming on the podcast. I, I definitely appreciate you taking out the time today. Oh, well, thanks for having me, Jason. I mean, it's a real honor to be invited and happy to share my story. My hope would be that somebody listening or people that are listening could be not just inspired, but feel like, well, man, if Anne could do it, I could do it too. Because I really feel like my story is somewhat of a, um, uh, I consider myself a highly unlikely person to have had success in real estate. And I'll kind of unpack my story. Um, but you're right, I live in um, Pierce County, Washington, specifically Tacoma, Washington. If there's any of those uh, Washington folks out there, Northwest folks, uh, born and raised there. Um, my family is a family of teachers and social workers. And I thought teaching or social working would also be my path. Um, I just had this beautiful family that are all helpers. And you know, I was always told that I would make a great teacher. So post high school, what did I do? I went to school and I became a teacher and I was making $5 an hour teaching. And then after school to help pay the bills, I would go clean houses. So, um, so that's how I, I kind of got started. Uh, real estate wasn't in my mind at that time, um, but I did have some early, I would say early insights to me loving real estate. I just didn't know it because um, I went straight into teaching because that was kind of the family path. And I thought that was the path for me too. So, um, but my story over 30 years going from making $5 an hour as a preschool teacher and cleaning houses to owning over 300 um, units or doors. Um, and it was a very get rich, slow process. Um, so, but, you know, back to kind of the family of helpers and teachers, I think, and I know it's called, you know, know your why podcasts. I kind of figured out a driver for me really early on because I had this beautiful family that I grew up in, but if there was any, um, unhappy moments in our family, it would be all around money. So it was the 1970s when I was growing up and interest rates were super high and there was the gas, you know, crisis. And I just remember, you know, my mom was a nurse, my dad was a social worker, and we always were just kind of living month to month and just kind of making things work. And it never seemed like there was enough. So a car would break down and it was this huge kind of, it felt like to a kid, it felt like a crisis, like oh my gosh, how are we going to pay for the car? The car's not working. No, no, you know, I remember having to turn the heat down in our house to 62 degrees because it was so expensive to heat the house. Those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but my, I was so proud of my family because they're all out making this difference. So when I married my husband, who is a social worker, we kind of made an early decision when we were married and making $10,000 a, a year combined that how do we like create this life of meaning and make different, making the difference in people's lives, but also how do we do it and also build wealth so that we don't have to mm -hmm. kind of repeat these same, cause he also came from a family that just kind of barely made by. Um, so we had that notion. We just didn't know when we got married, how we were going to get there. So then comes mentor number one. And mentor number one was actually my husband's boss. 
And um, I'll go back a little bit, but making $10,000 a year between the two of us, it was just the two of us then. I remember the day when my husband entered social work and he said to me, you know, babe, I mean, I love you. You love me. The whole world is our oyster, but I don't know if we'll ever own a home. And I remember that conversation. I remember where we were. I remember everything about it. And I just kind of, we had that kind of understanding, like we're going to go on along in this life. We're going to make this great difference in people's worlds, but we may never own a home. So back to mentor number one, mentor number one was my husband's boss who also did the same job as my husband. So he knew all about the social work and, you know, not making, you know, a whole lot of money in it. And, but he owned rental properties. He was in his seventies. And somehow he had cobbled together two fourplexes and a duplex. And this is back in 19, I got married in 1989. So this was in the early 90s. You didn't have internet. You didn't have podcasts like yours, Jason. You didn't have HETV. You didn't have all the things. All you had for gaining information and learning from people was books if they were out there at the public library, <laughs> there was no Amazon, so from, or from people that you just happened to know. So we were driving in the car one day and he pulled over in the car because my husband had said something about maybe, you know, maybe Anna and I just kind of just kind of understand that maybe we won't own a home. And he stopped the car, pulled over, pulled over and stopped the car and looked at both of us and said, no. He said, here's how you're gonna do it. He said, you're gonna borrow the down payment from somebody, maybe a family member. You're gonna get into your first house. And I want you to buy something that you can fix up, that you're gonna make it worth more. And then what I want you to do is let that house increase in value over some time. It'll take some time. But you create the equity, borrow the down payment, all you have to do is qualify for a loan. So we went to my, my husband's aunt and said, can we borrow some money for a down payment? And she, she said, yes. And we were all excited. We bought our first house for $64,000, a little 950 square footer. And it needed work. It needed paint on the outside. It needed landscape. It needed all the things on the inside. But you know, we were so excited to get into our first house. What he was describing though, was he was describing the Burr method way back in the early 90s before that was even a thing. It was not before even a had strategy. A name. Yeah. Because he said, get into your first house, create the equity, then refinance out of that house, pull some money out and go buy another house and live in it and make that your first rental. He said, that's how you need to do it. And that's how you need to get started. He talked about it in the form of boxes. He said, your little house is a box. And you're going to make that box worth more money. And then I want you to take the money out of that box. And I want you to go buy more boxes and then just put tenants in there that can make the rent, make your payment and just keep go doing that. So we thought that's our way. That's our way. That's how we're going to get houses and not only houses, but he's given us now this dream or this idea that we can own rentals just like he owns rentals. So that was the beginning of it. And that just spurred something inside of me because I thought, if I can do that, then maybe I, we don't have to live on, you know, my $5 an hour job and my husband's, you know, social work job. Maybe we can create a life of meaning, but also create, you know, a, some kind of wealth that we, you know, could pass on to our kids and we can afford the things that, you know, we always wanted for them, like college education, that kind of thing. So we did that, successful at that, fixed up the house, pulled the money out right about when we were pulling the money out it took us eight years so that's why i say get rich slow because yeah. it took eight years for that house to increase in enough value forced equity which we were doing by doing all the fix-ups but also we bought at a time when you know we were fortunate that the market was trending up it wasn't trending down but it took us eight years so now we have two kids in that little 950 square foot house but also we had the idea, we had the dream. So right about when we were pulling the money out of that house, mentor number two comes along. 
I was at a women's group and this new gal came in and she sat down and I said, hi, I'm Anne. And she said, hi, I'm so-and-so. I said, oh, tell me about you. She mentioned what she did. She said, I said, oh, what does your husband do? I'm just being curious, you know? And she said, well, my husband full-time runs his rental properties. And I said, what? And she said, yeah, we have 50 rental properties, single family homes as rentals. And his full-time job is to just take care of those. And I, I was like, what? I said, that's a thing? Like, that is, like, that's even, like, you can accomplish that? And so that became my big goal. And it wasn't much longer that I wrote down a list of goals. And this was 20 years ago. And one of the goals was I want to own 50 single family homes. I want to earn $20,000 a month in passive income for my rentals. I want to earn $20,000 a month from some kind of active income. Now I wasn't, I didn't know how, I didn't, even, I didn't know how I was going to do this, but I was challenged by somebody to just write down these goals. So, and then I wanted to put my kids through college. We had two kids at the time by then um, in cash. And I wanted to run a 26 mile marathon. So those were my big goals. Didn't know how I was going to get there, but I wrote it down anyways. But so the 50 single family home goal though came from him. I turned to her immediately and I said, would you introduce me to him? She said, I'd be glad to. So we met for coffee. He was 15 years older than me. Obviously he knew a lot more about rental properties. And all I said to him was, would you teach me? how to do it. I said, I'd be happy to. I said, I will scrub floors. I will cut bushes. I will, I will, re I will do anything you ask me to do if you just teach me how you did it. So for seven years, he took me under his wing and I brought value to him as much as I could, but he brought a ton of value to me. The cool part about that is that I did end up bringing him some property that we partnered together later. Um, but I just, be, I just thought I'm just going to become, I could trade in my $5 an hour job and just become a full-time student because I have this goal now. So, you know, all that time. So he helped me buy my first true rental property out of the proceeds. Cause we were, you know, kind of took the money out of that first house. And I actually bought a rental with 20% down with hard money. So I was borrowing hard money. The next house that we bought was $60,000. It was a four bedroom, one bath in Tacoma, Washington. And for nine, it took me nine months to fix it up myself because I didn't have a lot of cash. I had the down payment, but I didn't have a whole lot after that. I had a little bit of fix up money, but I, you know, painted the walls and, you know, on the old vinyl, they had these vinyl tiles, they were 99 cents a piece and you could peel off the back and stick them down and do a create like this little vinyl floor yourself. You know, you've seen those at Home Depot. Yep. But again, this is before cell phones and internet. So I had to kind of figure out, I mean, I had my mentor to ask, but I had to figure out how do I do all this work myself? Cause all I've got is my time, my labor, but not a lot of money. So I would drive over to Home Depot and I'll kind of walk the aisles, you know, and I'm still in my like twenties back then. And I'm a, I'm a woman, which there wasn't a lot of us back then. Thank God there's a lot of them now, but there wasn't a lot of us back then that were doing, you know, construction work. So I'd drive over to Home Depot and walk the aisles and I would look for somebody that kind of knew what they were doing. And I just kind of tap them on the shoulder and say, excuse me, sir, I have this toilet and it's doing this. And do you know how to fix it? Oh, yeah, 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 just follow me to the plumbing aisle. And he would pick up the thing and say, all you have to do is do this. Here's the directions on the back. And I would walk away with my part and go, that's kind of how I cut my teeth on fixing up our first rental. So, um, and my mentor just became this wonderful, you know, helper to me um, over, you know, what, what was like 10 years. Um, so that was that. And then I thought, okay, well, now I've cobbled together a few rental properties. The, my next big goal would be, I still had my original goals, but my next big goal was maybe I could break into multifamily. And so not long after I created that goal, I wanted to own a 20 unit property. That was my big goal. And not long after that, mentor number three showed up. I went to a fundraising dinner with my husband and we sat at this table. I didn't know anybody at the table, but I just turned to the guy next to me. 
And I said, hi, I'm Anne. What's your name? He said, hi, I'm so-and-so. I said, oh, what do you do? He said, well, I develop, I build multifamily apartment buildings. I said, you do? And I said, would you teach me how to do that? <laughs> At that fundraising dinner, I think he and I talked for the entire two hours and I'm kind of ignored everybody else, but he and I just did, 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 did all about multifamily properties. And he said, come to my office tomorrow. He gave me an address. He said, come at 10 o'clock and I'm going to start the process of teaching you how to get started. He introduced me to um, the man that became my best commercial broker who found me my 60 unit apartment building. This was in 2013. So that property, I wasn't, I mean, I didn't, I didn't still didn't have the money I had, you know, I had some traction going with these single family rentals and I kind of, you know, learned how to rehab and that kind of thing. But man, that just, that whole idea of a 60 unit both scared me and excited me at the same time. Hmm. Um, but he kind of, you know, so he walked me through and showed me all the numbers and how it was all going to work and why it was a great opportunity and he knew I didn't have the cash, but I think he knew something that I didn't know at the time because he was a seasoned commercial agent that had worked with this developer that you know, I became friends with. He knew that if he brought me a great deal that the money would follow. And that was my first lesson in, the money really isn't hard to find. The deal is harder to find than the money. And I always had a mindset like, I guess because I came from nothing, that it was the money was going to be the big challenge, sure. but the money wasn't the challenge. It was finding a great deal. So I just remember being, you know, just completely excited, but also scared. This is a big undertaking, 60 units that needed this remodel um, and all the things. But I went home to my husband and I just said, hey, this is really exciting. I'd love to do it. I just don't know how we're going to come up with the money. And my husband is a, you know, he's a big thinker. And thanks to him, I've, I've done anything because he always challenged me to think bigger. But we just came up with a, a list of names that we thought somebody that might have some money that might want to do this with me. And he threw out a name and I called him for a, this person for a coffee date. And I said, just, can we just kind of sit down? I'm going to walk you through this, this 60 unit apartment building that I have an opportunity to buy. And he said he would meet with me. I just remember being so scared. I was sweating through my clothes. I was driving down there. I was just like, oh my goodness, just trying to think of what I was going to say, rehearsing all the numbers in my head and just praying all the way down there that, you know, it would be a great meeting. And I walked him through all the numbers, took about 45 minutes of chat. And then at the end, he said, yeah, I think I'll do it. And that was the beginning of this great partnership whereby we were able to scale up. And so, uh, so that was exciting. He became a fabulous partner. It was a 60 unit that we bought in 2013 for 1.5 million, but it needed $1 million worth of rehab. So it was actually, it needed 2.5 million, but the bank was willing to fund the rehab if we were to put up 25% of the purchase plus the rehab amount. So that's what my partner did. He put up the funds and then I ran the deal. I ran the full million dollar rehab, which is a fun learning experience in a good way. It went great. Um, the folks that I bought it from was our local housing authority. And they were um, contracted. So my broker was contracted by the Tacoma Housing Authority to sell some of their, um, their inventory. Because housing authorities, I'll go down a little rabbit trail and I'm gonna pull it back. But housing authorities are always in expansion and contraction mode. They have money and then they don't. They have money and then they don't. This property, they had remodeled 18 years before. When uh, government uh, entities remodel a property, they have to pay what's called prevailing wages. It's about 30 to 40% more than us as private individuals have to pay. So their rehab budget on this, you know, what I did for a million was 2.5 million. And they didn't have the money at the time to put up two and a half million on the 60 unit property. So they, as a group, 
even though it's painful for them to release some of their property, their goal was to release this property so they could put that funds into something that was newer. So it became this win-win. Um, so we did the million dollar remodel. It appraised way higher. We're able to refinance out, pay my um, partner back almost everything. So now we're both in it for, you know, not a lot out of pocket, which was just the perfect Burr apartment deal, <laughs> if there is one. Um, and so, and that kind of put me more in that multifamily space. Two years later, the housing authority that I bought the 60 unit from called me and said, hey, Ann, um, we have 50 single family homes that we want to sell. We don't, we just want to sell them to you. You did such a great job on the 60 unit that we sold you that we want you to buy these. Now, remember my goal, it was with 15 years earlier when I met my mentor that had the 50 single family homes was to buy 50 single family homes. And here I was offered an opportunity to buy 50 in one transaction. And I didn't know when they called me, I, I was just like, well, yes, of course, yes. And inside I'm thinking, how am I gonna do that? <laughs> Back to how I'm gonna fund it, how I'm gonna, but, but we did, it took a year and a half to put the project together. And my same partner on the 60 said, absolutely, I'm in. So we did the same thing. I did all the work, he brought the cash, we partnered together and it was a beautiful partnership. But it was, um, it was both of those transactions required a lot of interaction because you have people involved. So those 50 single family homes all had tenants in them. The 60 unit all had tenants. And it became a partnership with the person, the entity that I bought it from to just say, hey, we're gonna work together to make sure that the people that live there are going to be okay. So that's why it took a whole year and a half. We met with the tenants. We told them what was happening. We helped them get voucher, portable vouchers, housing vouchers that they could take anywhere in the country. We made sure that they were housed. We helped them with moving expenses. We did all the things um, for that year and a half, just prepping up the sale. But you know, back to kind of why I call myself the least likely to have succeeded in real estate is because I feel like at the time there weren't the resources, you know, that we have today, which is like internet podcasts, the learning, the, all the things. Um, I was, um, you know, a, a female. I remember actually telling, you know, some people in my circle that I was going to leave teaching and go into this rental remodel business. And I had no less than 10 people look me in the eye, separate, separate cases and say, you're a woman, you're never going to survive. And so, but what that did was it just made me, and you have to frame this now, this wasn't 2023. This was way back in the 1980s and the 90s. So we have to frame it a little bit because people might be going, what? But, you know, that was some mentality back then. Um, so, and I didn't have the, yeah, I didn't have the obvious resources, right, to just go buy rentals. Um, and it was just a very slow, methodical, not maybe not so methodical. I would say it was a slow, just kind of use what you have, the resources that you have, leverage people. The magic question that I think I used over and over was just, how did you do that? And would you teach me how? That's really all I had. <laughs> just, yeah. just the, you know, the, the, um, I don't know, maybe the humility to just like be just to ask for some help. And I had just the most wonderful people say yes. So now, you know, here we are these years later, all the goals that I, you know, laid out, you know, 20 years ago, which was the 50 single family homes, the run the marathon, the income goals to get my kids through college. I accomplished all of that, but it took like a good 20 years. So I've been in this now for 30 years and now we're up to 300 doors. We do new construction, single family. We do all the rental stuff, the apartment buildings. Now we do ground up construction on apartment buildings. So over 30 years, we've just learned how to kind of um, morph into what's working. I think we've done about 
I don't know, maybe three or 400 flips. I haven't, I haven't even taken the time to count, but we've done so many flips. I don't even really remember the, the amount. And, and that's not, all that is to just say that we tried to kind of leverage or use the strategy that was working at the time. I remember right after the crash of 2008, we still, you know, we still wanted to be involved in real estate, but you could not get a loan to hold real estate. There was, do you remember that Jason? You oh, yeah. couldn't get a lot. I mean, you could buy property for, you know, 30 cents on the dollar, but you couldn't hold it because there was no loans for investors like us to hold rentals. So that's when we really kind of scaled up our flipping. Cause I mean, I could, I know I could buy that house for 70 grand and I could fix it up for 20 and I could sell it for 130, but I sure wish I could hold those. So that's kind of when we got the flipping really going and we did that, you know, um, still do that today. Um, and, uh, but you know, it really has become about meeting people and having mentors. And so now that I'm in this stage of my career, I feel a, a real obligation to give back. So we're doing, um, we do free, uh, events in our local community for you know new investors to come in and learn and we just do it all for free we just give it all away it's just like silver platter not come to our event and then we're going to sell you a bunch of stuff later it's all just like here it is here's the strategy i'm available my team's available we want to help you um because i just feel like somebody did somebody i had very, three very key people that did that for me so i feel you know, a moral obligation to help other people. I can't help everybody, but the people that are willing to raise their hand and say, yeah, and would you help me? I, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, I'd love to do it. So that's where we're at now. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's a, it's a great story. <laughs> and a lot to, a lot to unpack a few things I won't specifically want to kind of touch on. And I think some of these are going to just be off the cuff, but yeah, teachers don't make enough. That's one, that's one, one yeah. that they didn't make enough then they don't make enough now. It's, it's yeah. a, a extremely underpaid uh, job. However, you didn't let that stop you, right? You, you and your husband, you know, doing uh, service professions still decided, Hey, we're going to you know put our life. So, so there are lots of professions out there that teachers being a, really a prime example, don't make enough for what they're doing. However, Please don't, to people listening, please don't let that be the reason you don't set yourself up financially, right? Because I've had, uh, I've had a number of teachers on this podcast that have have done amazing things like yourself and and kind of you know put put their lives uh, a financial freedom as a as a priority and then you know sort of went from there. Um, second thing is I think you probably blew anyone's mind who was under thirty when you said there was no internet, cell phone, that sort of thing when you yeah. started doing this. And it's it's an inter, I mean, it's a really another, um, I guess my point here is it's another thing that, you know, let, let's take some of the excuses for not taking action right out of the way. Because one of them, again, it's like, there are plenty of underpaid people that still, still manage to, to make something of themselves. Secondly, there's no way at this point in, in life that you could say you don't have access to the information. It's just, it's it's the, it's there, and it's like the reality is is that there wasn't. You're right. You had to go to the library. You had to. The only thing you, you said no HGTV. You know, the only thing that was there was this old house, right? Which yeah, I mean, true. I was watching this that's old house true. when I was a kid. So I, but yeah, and it was fascinating. But that was before HGTV was ever HGTV was ever right. a thing. Um, but it, it it's true. I have found that you know sort of you know people do a lot of um now a lot of long distance investing you couldn't do that without technology like you you yeah. you would be really limited in the sense that you'd you'd really be staying within with within whatever market you live in um unless you had you know a tremendous team in whatever that is but now we can do all this stuff remotely um and so so the opportunities are are there the other thing I think, you know, I mean, there's so many great things about what you said, but your mindset about I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm just going to figure it out. Like I'm going to take action and I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to go find myself a mentor. I'm not going to be afraid to ask, can you show me? Um, 
I think in the real estate space, there's a lot of, uh, you know, sort of paid for mentorships out there. Mm -hmm. And so I think some people get, um, and I'm not disparaging them. I've, I've done them. Uh, I'm just saying there, there are, um, a lot of paid for mentorships. And I think people maybe get discouraged because they can be, you know, sort of a costly upfront investment. However, if, if, if what your limitation is, is money, then do exactly what you did. Go find someone and add whatever value you can to them. Just, just be there, be, be present, be, take action, do, do something to sort of, and, and ask the questions. So I, I just think everything you, you outlined, I mean, it's, it's very impressive. I mean, you know, you're, you've got this many doors, which it sounds like essentially yourself with or with a small number of partners you're not you're not talking about syndication right you're talking about yeah. find an investor a single investor get this done that kind of thing like that's uh you know it, it's a a as you said a get rich slow but it's a very very effective strategy and so it's like okay it might take 10 or 20 years but at the end of the day like especially if you're a young person listening and you get started now it, it, you will get there like you and you if you have the control you have all of the equity in these you know even if they're they're you may people look at unit count and things like that who cares about unit count it's more about ownership percentage so mm -hmm. if you own two percent of a thousand units like you're, you're probably better off owning a hundred percent of 50 units like it's just in terms of the actual um equity that you can, you can, uh, sort of control. So, uh, just so many, so many things in the story. Anne, and I, I, I just wanted to definitely touch on some of them there and, and just let people, you know, maybe go, go back, listen to it again. And cause there's so many moments along there that I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I also wanted to be like, yes, yes, that do that. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, thank you, Jason. You just said a lot of great things there. To my teacher, to the teachers that are watching, I would say, um, I love my teachers. We honor you. And I think, you know, you, along with other people that have a job, no matter what kind of job it is, you can leverage, I call it leverage your W-2. Mm -hmm. So leverage the paycheck and the salary that you're getting to do real estate as a side hustle. So we, you know, I had, when I quit teaching, I still had my husband who had a W-2 income where, whereby we could get approved for loans. Now, albeit on our salary, we couldn't get approved for big loans, but that's how, that's why I got a financial partner to kind of when I wanted to scale up. But it's the same thing that I'm teaching my daughter. It's the same thing that I'm teaching my son, which is you both have W-2 income leverage your job to get the loans for real estate and just have real estate become your side hustle. If I were to talk to my 20 something self, I would say, Anne, just if you, if you're just going to do anything, just buy five to 10 single family rentals and never sell them. Just don't sell them. Because if I had held on to those early ones, and, and I had cobbled together five or 10, you, you know, leveraging my husband's W-2 income. And we just kept them as rentals. If I still own those, I could have retired, been done and had a, had a nice little retirement. Yeah. So that's that. So like what you said, Jason is like, okay, sometimes, you know, when we're talking to people who are just getting started 10 or 20 years and we say, get rich slow, it just seems like, ugh. I don't know if I want to wait that long, but 10 or 20 years is going to go by really in a blink of an eye. It seems like the older we get, the faster time flies. But when I'm, what I would say to my son, younger self is just, if I, if you just want to do that and you want to keep going with your, you know, your teaching job and you had just accomplished that, you would, you would be in a really good spot right now. Once I got going and I got the momentum um, I mean, I guess it's part of my personality that the more people said I couldn't do it, or I had reasons why I was the least likely to succeed, the more that kind of fueled me. So I'm kind of that person, like, tell me I can't do it. Tell me I can't run the marathon and I'm going to go run the marathon. <laughs> so yeah. I kind of use, yeah. I guess it's just how I'm built. 
but I kind of used it as leverage in my own head to make me even want it even more. Um, but everybody has leverage. Everybody has a point of leverage. The other pain point for me was, you know, when we were in that first house that we bought for 64,000, hadn't bought, I mean, hadn't moved, done anything on the second house yet. We were just trying to build the equity. We had two little kids and we were living in 950 square feet. But I just remember my kids were little and I just remember thinking, I've got to put them through college. I've got to do something because, you know, we're not going to do it on social worker income. We're just not. It's just a fact. There's nothing wrong with that. There's not a fact. We're not going to do it. So I have to find a way. And those little ones at the time, I think my why has, you know, morphed as I've, you know, as I've gotten to different seasons, it's kind of still based on when I had those kids. I'm like, I am going to do this. I am going to get them through college. I am going to do it for them. <laughs> and I'm going to do it so that when our car breaks down, it's not a major crisis. You know, it took me a lot of years to get out of, you know, out of being in that spot. Cause we were, when we were living on Dean's W2, everything that I made with, you know, if I happen to do a flip, cause sometimes, you know, we got to a point where we were trying to build these little rental properties when, I mean, I would run out of cash we would buy them we would refinance we would take the cash out we'd go put it into another property but you know then you know you hope that you get all the money out but sometimes you don't get quite that much money out you leave some money in and then i had to sell one every once in a while and you know i guess those were my early on flips but flipping out of necessity but we tried really hard to just live on my husband's income and everything that we made just kind of went back into trying to create this rental portfolio um, but those two little ones were my why back then. And in some cases, you know, they're 28 and 30 years old now, but now my why is I want to show them how to create something out of nothing. It felt like creating something out of nothing, real estate back in, you know, in the early days. And even sometimes right now, it's like, how do I do that and create that and create the value and create something and fix it and make it worth more. And it's still that creative process really, but it really is kind of all the same thinking of like, how do I create that to be more than what it is right now? How, how would that three acres of dirt, how can I get that from just dirt to 90 units? You know, how do I, how, what's the process of all that? And that's kind of why we started the new construction and all of that. But, um, Back to leveraging your W-2, you can, anybody watching here, if you have a job or you have a partner with a job or you have a spouse with a job or you have a friend with a job or a family member with a job, bring them in and leverage that job to help you get a loan on your first house. Buy it as an owner occupant, live in it for a year and which is the requirement with most loans, then turn that one into a rental property buy another house with low down as an owner occupant and do the house hacking method um, until you kind of, you get, you know, three or four under your belt. And if you just do that in 20 years, you're going to thank your younger self for doing it. So that's to all the folks out there that are just getting started and have a W-2. Um, you also said something about, um, oh, you had so many good stuff in there uh mindset you know i think the mindset more is just uh an act of of the humility part of just saying to somebody would you help me because i think people as a as a human being human beings respond really well to somebody saying would you help me right you know you can say oh what do you do for a living oh that's really cool oh i admire you oh that's neat um, but the simple, the, the phrase, would you help me is just so, I think, intoxicating for people that have done something and they're in a season of life when they really want to now give back, you know, yeah. it's like, okay, I've done all this stuff. Now, who can I give back to and who can I pull along with me and how, how do I teach? You know, I, I don't, I don't know a lot about a lot, but I, I have figured out this kind of real estate game. And if you want it, I will help you also get it, you know, because it's been such a gift to my family and my kids and, you know, hopefully our grandkids and the other people that we've helped, you know, along the way. Um, 
but be willing to just ask the question, would you help? And you'd be amazed at how many people will say, I'd love to, you know, paid um, coaching, paid mentorships is awesome. Um, when the Carlton Sheets, you know, thing came out, okay, now I'm really dating myself. Do you remember, but like the late night infomercials, Carlton I, yes, Sheets? I, remember, I, I don't know do that I ever that? watched them, but was, I do remember One of the name. early adapters, like no money down real estate. Yeah. I mean, it was, that's what you, so if you didn't have a library, you didn't have people, you could watch an infomercial at midnight and yep. somebody's selling you something on the, really the early ideas of real estate. But I bought those because I kind of, at the time was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to try to gather all the information that I can. Um, I did go to like, um, gone on airplanes when there would be folks like Dave Lindahl. You remember Dave Lindahl, multifamily? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. And I'd get on a plane and I'd go to his three-day seminars and I'd, you know, meet other people that were trying to do it just because, you know, you're so hungry to try to get in the mindset of, okay, there's other people doing it, then I can too. Um, I had a call with a new investor last week. Um, we were, we were on a Bigger Pockets podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we've had a lot of people, you know, come into our DM, our Instagram, and just ask random questions. And her question was, um, "Hey, I'm new, and all I feel like I'm doing right now is learning and listening." And I said, "Absolutely, you are doing the right thing, because you're just trying to overwhelm your your gut, your heart, your soul, your spirit with." all of the information and get and marinate in it so that you can get comfortable even talking about it. And, you know, so I just said, keep doing that girl. And then, you know, get people around you that can now get help you with the tactical stuff. And, but sometimes I think it just starts with telling people, Hey, um, if I can do it, you can do it. Or, you know, I, I've said to some people, we had a really dear friend and at the time they were both living on food stamps and they were dear to me. And I just turned to them and I said, Hey, did you guys know that you could buy a house? And they looked like, they looked at me like I was crazy. And this was uh, about 12 years ago, but we figured out how to get them into their first house. And now they own uh, eight doors and they have like $3 million worth of real estate. So sometimes the magic question or the magic question, you know, that you can even ask is like, okay, like, okay, if she did it, I can do it. But also having somebody just say to you, hey, did you know that this could also be possible for you? Right. I totally agree. And I think you, <laughs> the funny thing is, I think you've almost answered all the questions that I typically ask oh. <laughs> uh, guests at the end, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to switch gears and, um, and kind of try and ask those and see if you have anything to add. I feel like okay. uh, it might be somewhat redundant. I mean, the, yeah. the first question is always, um, you know, related to the name of the show and it's what is your why? And I know you touched on that and, and how it's evolved. And I think um, it, that's been one of the really interesting things in, in the funny thing is, uh, as of the day we're recording, my 200th episode comes out tomorrow. So I'm like, pretty, oh, pretty excited awesome. about that. Thank you. Yeah. But, but um, so all of the people, it, what I, what I find is like the, one of the really cool things is, is the evolution of someone's why. And it's like, you know, a lot of time, if you, if you start kind of in the same, I, 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 you know, sort of grew up similarly to you. And it's like, at first you're just like, I don't want to be poor. It's, it's like, it's, it's almost that simple. Like your why is yeah. I don't want to be poor. I, I was yeah. poor a long time. I don't want to be poor anymore. Um, but you know, over time it, it evolves, you know, families, you get fam that kind of thing. So um, I know you touched on it, but I, I don't know if there's anything you want to add there as far as, as far as your why um, at this, at this point, at this stage. Yeah, sure. Um, it really, I mean, if going down to the basic, I didn't want to be poor either. And I didn't want, I didn't want to have, a, I didn't want my kids to feel poor. So at the very basic level, um, but it was also, how do we, like I said in the beginning, how do we create a life of meaning, but also have the wealth? Like, how do we create that? So, and then, you know, it really deepened in me when I had my first baby, which was my son. And I just remember, I mean, he was just days old and I'm like, I, I just, I, I had that moment. I can tell you where I was sitting. I can tell you, you know, exactly where on the couch I was. I can tell you how I was holding him. 
And it was just like, I must do this. So it just became a must for me. So it really, I would say they're very much fueled by my kids. Absolutely. I'm a mama and it's fueled by my kids. How it's morphed is really, it's still a lot about my kids, but how it looks different now is that I think comes back to imagination. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. I think at the time I just wanted, all I could imagine was having kids and having a family and not being poor. Then I could imagine having kids have a family, not being poor and creating some generational wealth. Then it was having kids not being poor, creating some generational wealth, but then showing my kids how to be a strong woman um, in business, creating imagining things that are bigger, taking on things that are bigger, showing them what that looks like. And now it's all those things. Plus we just had our first grandbaby. So now it's like passing on the wealth, but it's even more passing on the intellectual wealth of, Mm -hmm. okay, gang, you, you guys can create for yourselves what you can imagine. And you don't have to know how, you just have to ask people to help you along the way and imagine big things. So you can have all the money, but even more so, even more important is the ability for you to say, I can create goals. I can accomplish goals. I can create things that are bigger than even that my parents imagined or that they over there imagined and I can do big things. And that's what I want from, for now my grandbaby. Right. So my why has morphed a little bit, but it's gotten more refined, but it's also gotten larger as I've used my imagination to kind of think um, bigger myself, you know? Yeah, no, it makes yeah. total sense. I, I think that, um, yeah, it's it's funny because, you you know, you, you, it, when you have that, when your life starts, it, you start on this type of journey and it starts out, I just don't want to be poor. And then you have kids and you're not poor anymore. And I, I, I actually go back, like, I'm like, but I feel like that drove me. So how mm-hmm. do I, how do I put that, you know, sort of motivation and, and, and that's where you're, you know, you like, how do you put that motivation, work ethic, drive and knowledge about how to, you know, sort of not be poor on your own accord, not just, oh, I'm going to, you know, inherit money or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think there, there's a lot about, you know, people losing wealth, um, in, you know, second and third generation. So uh, I, I totally understand, you know, kind of where you're coming from there. Um, I think um, to that, Jason, I think I was blessed that we we were still trying to make things work because we were trying to grow this rental portfolio. So our kids saw us not rich, if that makes sense. Right. Like yeah. they saw us make decisions like we're not going to do that. We're going to do that instead. And so they didn't have all the stuff. So I think there, you know, albeit we were never, we moved out of poor, but we weren't rich either. That makes right. sense. Everything right. was going into the long-term, you know, hold by, you know, wealth stuff. So, right. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I mean, I think too, sometimes uh, wealth on paper is not necessarily the yeah. wealth that you're seeing at home right away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Typically, I ask people the next question, Anne, is, is tell us something about yourself that isn't common knowledge. I'm, I'm actually intrigued. You you ran the marathon? I know you said that. I did ran the marathon, yes. And okay. the marathon was another kind of, I know you talk about mindset a lot, but the marathon came before um, meeting my second mentor, which was the 50 single family mentor, yeah. where I really started growing my rental portfolio. Um, it was after we bought our first house, but before that mentor. So Um, running that marathon, I mean, 26.2 miles is just, it's just a haul. And, um, and so I trained for that. Um, and I accomplished that. And I, and I had that feeling like if I can run 26.2 miles in one, you know, one race, I could do anything. So that mindset piece was really, really good for me because it was tough. It was, um, I ran it, I ran it as a fundraiser for leukemia Mm -hmm. and, um, and it was in Maui. And I thought, oh, it's gonna be so romantic. It's Maui. It's gonna be so beautiful. Or but really it started hate. at five, it started at 5 a.m. in Maui, but it was already 90 degrees and 90% humidity. Yeah. 
And it was just added to the tough because I trained in, you know, in Washington, you know, in like 50 degree weather. So it was rough, but it was a great mindset piece. Um, And, um, but yeah, if uh, out over time, you know, accomplished all those goals, which is great. So it just reminds you that just create the goal, but you don't have to, you don't have to know how at the time you just have it and, you know, marinate in it. Uh, Absolutely. Um, When people hear this, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, so Instagram and Curry Homes and um, our website and curryhomes.com. And we do a lot of um, free events are all around investing. So we advertise those on our social media. Um, and then if we do a live event, we'll, we'll um, also air it on social media. And then my website has a bunch of like great content. We're doing some coffee meetups um, in Phoenix, Arizona, where we have some investing, Los Angeles and in Tacoma, Washington over the next couple of months. And this is just a chance for people to come meet us. And we're going to talk all about real estate. So all of their questions, any question that they have, and it's just a chance to meet folks and hopefully, you know, get them inspired and get them on their way. Awesome. You said you're you doing doing uh, in Los Angeles as well. Los Angeles, Phoenix, and mm-hmm. Tacoma, and that's um, that'll be on our social media. All right. Well, I'm in Los Angeles, so I will. Are you? I would love, well, to, love to get there. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay, Lauren will send you all the information. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and you've given so much great advice. Um, is there one last piece you'd like to leave us with today? Oh, advice to leave you with. Um, uh, yeah, I, my advice would be, um, wherever you're starting, it's okay. Everybody has a place to start and it's just about starting, you know, it's not about what you've done in the past, what you haven't done in the past, what you have right now. It's just that decision of, oh, yeah, I, I want, you know, I want to get started in a real estate and then just finding somebody that can help you give the first few tactical steps whether that's, you know, podcast like yours or, you know, a real estate agent in your area that also invests into real estate, but just be willing to ask, um, would you help me is my greatest advice. Cause it's amazing what can happen when you just ask. Yeah, it's really yeah. true. It's really true. Um, and this was amazing. Thank you so much for coming oh. on today, sharing your story, sharing all of this, uh, just, I mean, really, really fantastic advice. And like, just just the structure in which you took action and all i mean i think i think it really will help a lot of people i think it will inspire them so so thank you so much for taking the time today well that's my hope thank you jason for having me it's a real honor to be with you so thank you yeah and folks listening i know you're going to love this episode uh, and get a lot of value from what ann shared please like rate and review so we can get more great guests like ann take care to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.